So yeah, the move. So this is what happened with the move. Emily had been telling me, I'm so stupid. For weeks, she was like, so are we gonna have people come help us? Or um, what's the plan with the move? I was like, I'm gonna bring some boxes home. We'll pack stuff up and uh, we'll do it all. I'm not sure, I'll decide a date. So I decided two days before the day we move, all right, we're gonna move on Friday. And then uh, we basically moved everything and it doesn't matter how much you get rid of in life. You have 10 times more stuff than you think you have. Yep. So we get in there and start moving stuff. And I'm like, a hundred people asked me to come help. <laughs> and I told them all, no, no, I got it. I'm good. I'll get it. <laughs> I got this. No big deal. The, everything from picking up the moving truck, even the moving truck, I was like, I got up that morning and I was like, oh, I need two people to go get the moving truck. <laughs> Emily. <laughs> and unpacking it was not that bad, but man, packing that stuff up was brutal in the truck. It was not fun. Um, Unloading's easy. But it was funny. I was, I was laughing at myself the whole time. It was the first time I've moved and didn't get sick. That feels like a milestone. Um, but that was a hot freaking mess. I, I'm convinced that half of my nomadic desire is because I don't want to move. I don't want to move anymore, mm -hmm. ever. I probably will never sell this house because I don't want to take anything out of it. <laughs> it's a prerequisite for whoever buys this next this house I just bought. You got to keep all the stuff. <laughs> We're starting from scratch every time. We'll take our clothes. That's it. I'm done, dude. We've gotten rid of a lot of stuff, but yeah, there's still a lot of stuff in here. So about the thing, the constraint, uh, what do we call it? Bottleneck theory. <clears throat> I think it's actually, it goes deeper than that to get a little deeper with the idea. It's amazing. It's a super practical tool for helping you to solve problems. You just go back a step, but you got to keep going back further too. Uh -huh. Like with the house, I was like the foundation. All right, we got to work on the foundation, but I realized in the depths of my anxiety uh, that there was a bigger problem, which was like my peace was essentially resting on the house being okay. It's like, what if the foundation doesn't work? What if it's not fixable? You got to ground your peace in something else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I, that just totally screwed me up. I was like, this is where all this other stuff goes too, like your self-assurance, your uh, confidence, your patience. Uh -huh. What are they grounded in? Uh -huh. And is it transcendental enough to carry you through the greatest challenges in life? That's an Death. interesting proposition. House. Are they transcendental? What do you mean by that? Are they like deep enough? Are you going further, far enough back? In the, in the chain of problems. How far back is far enough? To the original problem. Is that possible, you think? Yes, it is possible. <laughs> it, as a matter of fact, it validates my theory of narrative metaphysic. Because, yes, it does. That's, that's, you got you to gotta explain. I, I think it validates the idea of a narrative metaphysic because you have to be able to tell a story to understand the, the original problem. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you're, if, if you, yes, yeah, 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 yep. There is a, you're, you are, as soon as you start to go back and describe a chain of problems, you're starting to go into like history and there, and like, you're immediately narrativizing as soon as you start describing the past. Mm -hmm. So the best way, I think, to find the original problem, I mean, when you're looking for the original problem, I think that we should look for, you, you begin in the space of story, of tale. Um, Jordan Peterson was talking about with stories, how stories are more true than reality. Have you heard him talk about this? Maybe. 
he basically talks about how stories are they're more real than reality because they don't just describe the life of one person, for example. Like if you read an old story, it's like a, a really good story resonates with lots of people because it tells the story of many stories all aggregated into one story. Right. Narrative is like a data aggregation system. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And it's much better than anything else. Essentially, it is the date. Like, so they're struggling in AI right now where they've got all these computers and these systems that can kind of categorize information, can, can uh, analyze massive amounts of information. But the reason why, like the biggest challenge in AI is how do you help AI? And AI essentially has to have a narrative in order to make sense of the data and be intelligent uh-huh. or to be, maybe it's wise, maybe to be wise. I'm not sure if it's intelligence or if it's wisdom, but I think that's the the undescribed struggle of developing AI. They have to tell it an underlying story first or it doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. We are the same. Mm-hmm. We are simply biological machines, but we have to have a story to make sense of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um. In the journey training with Chris, that's the first thing he talks about is we all, here's, where it gets tricky is we all have a story. Yes. We all, uh, and it plays most of the time subconsciously. Mm-hmm. It's like he's, he, he likens it to like a, like a tape recorder. And it was a tape that we were given which aligns with okay. what they've discovered in psychology where your, your worldview is set somewhere between five and seven years old. Yeah. That, but you know, up to that point, your experiences up to that point will determine from then on how you perceive the world. Yeah. And then after a certain point, you'll have the uh, like the cognitive awareness uh, awareness to be able to recognize and change the story that's been playing. Um, but we all have a story that we didn't choose. Yep. I think. Accepting that story is yeah, the first step. Is the first is an important step. It's very important, and I think that more than that too. Though there is a macro narrative of humanity. Oh, for sure. And I think you're nihilistic because if your macro narrative is is point wave consciousness theory, we sort of emerge miraculously and in. Co way. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that it can feel pretty nihilistic. I yeah, I'm not saying that's my my dominant world worldview. Your big, it's not like your your I'm, biggest I'm, overarching. I'm narrative. wrestling between that. That to me is a fact. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. At some point, the earth is going to be gone. Yeah. Humanity is going to be gone. And consciousness will probably have evolved into something we can't fathom right now. At the same time, my individual life has meaning. Yeah. There's a, there's a dichotomy out of which the life, life as we know it emerges. Yeah. But I, I tend to swing from one end to the other. Hmm. And it's just challenging at times. Um. So obviously, I, I, it's so funny that like, I feel like Peterson keeps interjecting himself into our conversations. It's, he's like my reference point by which I find it most easy to talk about the ideas that I, uh, that I struggle with. But in his most recent podcast, have you listened to it? Oh gosh, it's so good. So one of the things he talked about is political. We haven't really gotten political on the podcast, but he talks about how, you know, he talked about the new feminism movement and all this stuff that's going on with like women's movement and he said that like women haven't historically always had a really loud voice in the political realm and so he talks about this idea of like me too and all this stuff to being a aggregate expression of the primitive desire to know whether or not a man is predatory does that make sense one of a one one of a woman's Anthropologically, a f- one of a f- female's biggest concerns was, are you a predator? 
are you going to take advantage of me? That was one of the biggest questions in their mind when they would address, whenever they came in contact with males. And he's saying that basically, perhaps he proposed in the podcast, and he's like developing this theory, he says developing it, that for the first time, that voice is taking political center stage. Like as women get more and more power to speak. Uh, huh. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Like that is the, that expression in the political voice, which I thought was extremely profound. How does this connect with what we were talking about? Um, narrative. So da, 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 rewind. Da, da, da. So in the podcast, he talks about hierarchy, and I think that uh, I think that it's relevant in a number of ways. But the primary way in which I think it's relative is I, it's relative to our last campfire talk, because I told you I was going to sharpen this idea of a narrative metaphysic with God as a being. I think that one of the things that he talks about, uh, Jordan Peterson, is he says that like when he's talking to Sam Harris and that he had like a five-part, three-part maybe, uh, debate, conversation, public conversation, public forum conversation with uh, Sam Harris. And one of the things that they talked about was um, Sam Harris was like, okay, give me a definition of God. And so Jordan Peterson starts to give him some, some outlines. He's like, God is the force that this. Does that make sense? And he starts going through some of his premise and things like that. And he said something interesting in the interview. He said, he said, uh, they were talking about the nature of prayer or something like that. And Jordan Peter says, said, says, sit in your room in the quiet and ask God, what did I do today that was, or ask this, this thing that he says, these are the outlines for it. He wouldn't, he didn't describe it. He never described God. He just said, these are some of the things. This is the framework. And he said, go into your room and ask in a prayer type of way, did I do anything wrong today? And he's and Jordan Peterson says, I guarantee you the answer won't be what you think it what you think it will be. It suggesting that you're gonna get an answer that you didn't expect, that can't either did not come from your mind or came from a deeper, a completely intuitive part of your mind. And uh, and so like that struck me. And I've been doing this thing with this guy where he in in like in order to do this counseling program thing that I've been doing. Like one of the essential premise is you have to be able to accept God as a being. And so like I, uh, I did this exercise, this Petersonian, it was more Petersonian, this exercise, to sit in quiet and ask questions. And I've got some answers I didn't expect. Hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is, because it's got to do with us too. I think that uh, like one of the answers that I didn't expect was uh, in the midst of all this turmoil, I can't remember exactly what I asked. But the answer was, you are trying to, like, save Josh. I was, like, putting on your worldview entirely, wearing it, like, not just, like, okay, how do I understand what he thinks? It's like, no, I'm going to believe and dive in completely to where I am, his thought process, like, and and then I couldn't reason my way out, and I was lost. And the answer was essentially, yeah, you did all that because you were trying to say you were trying to help Josh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I think that the the dude that poetic music in the background, you guys are getting hear it. That's funny, the poetic piano music. I feel like it's like a movie moment. Uh, but it totally caught me off guard. Hmm. I was like, whoa. And I feel like part of the energy like of the answer was like, it's not your job. Don't worry about Josh. What are you worried about him for? And I could not honestly express myself because I was in somebody else's world. I was in somebody else's mind. Mm. Honest expression like Jet Li, be like water, you know. He says, he talks about it in that Bruce, spiel. Bruce Lee. Oh, what I say? Jet Li? Yeah. Bruce Lee's, I'm not going to say that's rude. Bruce, Jet, Li's, Jet Li's good too. Bruce Lee, uh, he said... To express yourself honestly. That's really what he was trying to do. To ex- honestly express himself. I never understood that part of it. I was mm-hmm. like, water makes sense. But now I understand. It's like, 
to honestly express yourself and be totally honest, no inhibitions. Like you're talking about like a child. Mm -hmm. It's hard and scary. And it's like, I have to take off your worldview in order to, yes, be honest, express myself more honestly. I have to talk about God huh. as a being. <laughs> let me, let me, uh, isn't that interesting? Yes. <laughs> and even, uh, so like another connection was, I am fascinated with stories with these brother dynamics. So I can think, and I hadn't thought about this before, I can think of five stories without much effort that have a sun, moon, yin, yang, brother relationship. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? And I think that I, I, I connect with those stories so well because mm -hmm. of our relationship. In contrast to that, I had to let go of God as a being. Yeah, yeah. In order for my like consciousness to move forward in any way, it was it was thinking of God as a being was op oppressive. Yeah. To me, um, I don't know exactly why. I know I am very aware of other people. Yeah. Other people's awareness. Uh huh. Oddly enough, I think that's like why. Growing up, I was fascinated with hide and seek, and I was very good at it. Like to the point where I could, I I knew what wall I could stand up against where I wouldn't be noticed hmm. in a in a shadowy room. Um, and even to this day, like I can slip in and out of rooms without people noticing me, and I'm doing it on purpose, but not really. Like it's just kind of the way that I. Yeah, it's like hardwired. Kind baked of the, into the cake the way that I go about life and it's because I don't want to make ripples in the water yeah I don't want to disturb what people do naturally there's so much nine language in that that's <laughs> <laughs> how so I knew it was a nine it's crazy yeah um, um, so the idea of God being this judgmental yeah slash forgiving or grace merciful figure yeah but it but it potentially being as arbitrary as a human beings was oppressive to me. Yeah. And now through letting go of that image, I've been able to yeah. cultivate a more genuine relationship with what I used to consider to be God. Yeah. And don't, don't perceive this as me uh, trying to dismantle your worldview. Oh, you can't. I know. <laughs> I know. You can't. I, I think that uh, it's just, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. But but more and more I see, I, I get whispers. There's multiple questions. Well, it's the story. It's the story thing. It's the narrative thing. All right, go back. So go, you go. <laughs> I've been talking a lot. I'm, I'm just trying to get your gears turned a little bit. Your, your narrative has to do with has a lot to do with your relationship with me. Yes. Which is characteristic in your position of a three. Because you had an older brother who was perceived as yeah. intelligent and successful yep. and whatever. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. I didn't consider myself to be that. But that's what you saw, which made you competitive and resentful. Yeah. So you have this big brother narrative that has played out from the beginning yeah for me it was a parental authority figure oh, relationship oh man that's crazy oh so this is another thing that comes up too this will, this will loop it in well to what you're just now saying and validate it in a lot of ways so I've been doing this like counseling thing and they talk about your perspective of God it is exactly my perspective of mom and dad hmm. so like one of the questions they would ask is for example uh <clears throat> So, so they asked questions that would ask that were asking questions about their character, and then after I went through all those questions, not knowing where they were leading, they said, "Now answer all these questions about God." And I realized that the answer, as I was answering them, was a, a mirror. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Whoa, mm -hmm. that freaks me out. Mm -hmm. It makes me really uncomfortable." Yeah. Uh, and, that, but you got to think too. That's a lot of people's. That's the way. That's the way our brains work. And so people's perception of God is their pers is a narrative that they experienced when they were young yeah. that 
runs parallel to an authority figure they had. So the image of God that people hold in their minds could be terrible. It could be awful. Yeah. Something they don't even want to associate with. Another thing that makes me think that um, another thing like other validating areas that I see, like I think of Peterson's hierarchy. He has, he's identified the hierarchy in nature. Like most, I, I didn't have no opinion about what I thought about hierarchies before I listened to Peterson talk about things. And I realized more and more, all right, if, if nature is structured like a hierarchy, what is the pinnacle of that hierarchy? And I think you see, like, in your mind, like, that's a good question for you. What do you think, what do you see in your mind? Obviously, I'm leading my, I'm, I'm leading my own answer. I think at the pinnacle is God. Like, there's a point at the end of the, the a singularity, if you will, right. at the top of the pyramid. Sure. It, that, that singularity, probably, that, you like that language more. Yeah. The point, the point is like the drop-off. Yeah. It's like when... It's when the concrete becomes abstract and our finite minds can no longer grab onto anything and we're just free falling. That would be the point that I, that I imagine. I think there is a hierarchy in nature, um, but it's founded upon a baseline of no hierarchy, of total abstractness. So without that the hierarchy has no meaning and wouldn't exist. Order and chaos. That's what right. we're talking about, essentially. Yeah. I think that you... Yeah, order and chaos. We described it perfectly. <laughs> There's organization, and then you lean more towards that yang, that chaos. They're bo they both exist. They're both ultimately valid. As you expand, I think probably they, the ideas kind of oscillate. Right. But I think that the... Yeah, it's it's like the the yeah, that's very interesting. I was listening to Peterson's audiobook and he was talking about this idea of uh we find meaning when we are properly aligned between order and chaos. So we have one foot in order, we're we're in that regard we're secure. We know at any point we can draw back and be okay into that side, onto that side of the line. But we're also exploring new things, learning new things, um, taking on challenges, taking on the unknown. We got one foot in, in that arena. Yeah. He says, you find meaning, or rather you experience meaning when you're properly aligned between the two. And as he was talking about this in his audiobook on Audible, you could hear his voice cracking, like how emotional he was getting about it and the visuals he was using. <laughs> And I was like, based on that, like, as I heard his voice cracking, I was like, I know what he means. Yeah. I know exactly what he means because I have been recently oscillating between, I mean, when I came to you to get you to move down here, I was passionate. Like I was fired up. I yeah. had a strong, clear vision Yeah. and none of it went according, nothing happened according to that vision as wow. things progressed. <laughs> and now I'm like, I feel like I'm just floating in space. Like. Oh God, what now? Like, yeah. and everything's overwhelming and I don't know what to do. But at the same time, if I'm conscious enough, if I sit down and really consider where I'm at, like things are okay. Nothing has fallen apart and there's still opportunity for me to make headway into whatever remnants of that vision remain mm -hmm. and have, haven't been burned away by the challenges that I've gone through. Mm. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, the unknown. And well, and the thing is, it's always subjective because there's somebody like Peterson who sees the world way different than 99.99% of the population. Order and chaos to him are two very different things than they are to me. Mm -hmm. He understands much more. And there's certain people who not necessarily understand more or less, but understand different aspects of things. And I yeah. think that's where maybe like the communal aspect of being human comes in where the chaos I'm experiencing might be easy, more easily navigated if I just consulted somebody Yeah. or like it's the whole idea of being humble and like just set my pride aside, realize 
I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I thought I did for a while. If I set my pride aside and just do what somebody else tells me to do for a little bit, then I might see something I didn't see before. Hmm. But that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to see on your own. This is interesting. So surrender. I'm going to just like continually just bounce ideas against you. This is fun. I think this is our dynamic. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, it's like, what does he do with this? <laughs> so I think uh, there, are a, there are like postures. This is fascinating. I had this conversation this morning over coffee. It's just, it's just kind of like a free-ranging conversation. We talked about, I asked this guy, do you think that the, the devil gets too much credit for how screwed up we are? And his answer is very interesting. He essentially, I think the long and short of it is, he doesn't get enough credit. And essentially, he created this construct, like visually, where you have... Uh, the the father of lies or the dark one who who essentially takes hold of um, godhood himself and then you have the natural being god the power of creative force and I think the postures are interesting when you think about the the language of surrender and humility and listening. When you, when you say those things, because it's almost like the, the posture of the father of lies is I can figure this out myself and the posture of what do you, what, what should you call them? The children of truth is to, uh, is to be humble and to like find the answers from other people and to receive those answers. To test all things, I would say. See, but the impetus changes you've moved the power back to you again. I think that, that, that like, the ch- like if you think about, it's hard to describe what I see in my mind poetically. I see these things not in like words necessarily, but it's like the, um, yeah, the impetus moves over again. You're not, that's not humility. To test everything is to take your own mind as the starting point. To, to, be, to be subject to the truth means to accept there's a reality outside of yourself that you can't alter, change. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel like you're muddling up some things in, that are, that are uh, laid out differently in my head. Explain it. I explain how you see it, or try to. Good luck. It's not easy. <laughs> Because it's fascinating to me, you were talking about, I just need to put my pride aside and go find somebody who knows like what to do. Right. I think that is... Well, in my mind, they don't actually know what to do. But my bottleneck is the fact that I'm white knuckling so hard... That you need to let it go? That I just need to let go. Okay. So Because what like my idea might be a hundred times better than their idea, but that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's about... Uh, for me right now, but my my for for my own peace of mind, not for the for not for getting results in the business. For my own peace of mind, it's about letting go. Yeah, because ultimately I'm after peace of mind. I'm not after money. So I know who, I'm not after money. Who do you look up to? Nobody. <laughs> That's a problem. <clears throat> I look up to people like Peterson and Alan Watts and these people. I would say I look up to them. I idealize them. Yeah. If you met them, you think you would look up to them? Like if you knew them personally? If I knew them for about six months, no. I would I would lose it. I would lose that ideation of them. <laughs> I only know this from experience. So I agree with you. Like like the reason I thought of that idea was because you were saying I go to somebody else like to like go to when I don't know the answer and stuff. And I agree with that. I think that's the correct thing to do. But at a certain point, the problem gets too big. And no, there's not a single human being who knows the answer anymore. And I think that the impulse is there because you are supposed to find somebody. Like, I think that that impulse seems to me to point to being of God rather than God as being. You know what I mean? The... the 
You might have you might have to dig into this a little bit with me. Yeah, this is good. Dude, I love this conversation. <laughs> Reality is subjective. Everybody has their own reality. This is one of the premises of the journey training. Everybody has their own reality. Everybody has their own narrative. Yeah. That okay. makes them yeah, yeah. an individual. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm not saying there is no objective truth. Gravity exists. Mathematics are, are pretty consistent. Right. Like, yeah. There are scientific principles that we've observed that are kind of like guiding the way that we perceive the universe. Um, but our experience of such things is subjective. Uh-huh. I think there has to be a balance there. The only things we know to be true are that which we have actually experienced. Yeah. Okay. So. Yep. Being humble, I think, runs in tandem or parallel to or alongside, I don't know, but it runs along with the idea of compassion. So if somebody comes to you with a problem, Mm -hmm. in our American minds, our first assumption is they want a solution. Mm Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of what we're working towards with the podcast and the journey training and the stuff we talk about at the gym is that solutions are not like answers are not always the answer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the answer is just being willing to see where that person is and be there with them. Mm -hmm. So I think being humble isn't necessarily always about answers. It's about being together with somebody and realizing you don't have an answer for the problem in their reality in that moment. Hmm. Which is a ba- processing zero one one zero 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 eight five. It's a basic principle that that that's that's uh, like it's the therapy process. It's um. It's counteracting this idea that every problem needs an immediate solution. Like emotions, it's the green, it's the green spiral dynamics. It's the green uh, level mm-hmm. where we're, now we're realizing that complex emotions are warping the way that we perceive things, mm-hmm. and they're getting in the way of our ability to problem solve in the yellow. Yellows are indi- like individual, self-assured. Uh, I think I understand. I think I get what you're saying. So let me process it like really practically. What do you want more than anything? Me? Yeah. I don't have an answer to that. What, like, why do you get out of bed every morning? Because I have to right now. If If this was like Two years ago, I would tell you it's because I want to build a community. Okay. Because you want to build a community. What makes you want to build a community? It felt right at the time. I don't know. It felt right. What's valuable about a community? This is a live therapy session right here, (laughs) y'all. thinking what do you mean what's valuable about a community like why do you want to build a community instead of just joining one that already exists or uh being alone oh yeah so there's i mean there was some ego involved in that decision because i wanted to build a community based on things that i thought were important okay so that kept me from joining somebody else's Part of that, that was ego. Part of it was just like, I need to do this for myself to see. Mm. Like, see what's going to happen, basically. Yeah. Uh, But also, I think one of the principles that I'm forming for myself for for the long term is the idea of true wealth being founded in, I don't know what to nail it down to exactly yet, but relationships and trust. 
Trust. Trust is true wealth. Mm. Because through trust, I can find a job. Yeah. If I need one, I can find money or resources. I can find a place to live. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Trust. So I wanted to make a place. I wanted to form a community where trust was the prevailing glue that held it together. Trust between each other. Versus. Trust with the universe. No. Mainly trust between each other. Okay. Trust between each other. Because I have experienced communities that were founded upon other things and trust was not prevalent and I didn't like it. I didn't like the way it felt. Trying to cultivate a community of trust. Um, Seemed like you were going somewhere with that. I am. I still am. I've got like a larger framework. I'm curious if I should just... uh, um, Yeah, it's interesting to me to see to try to see into the curtain of your mind a little bit like man it's fascinating a community of trust is what really motivated you to get up and to work and to to sacrifice what if you had achieved it what if i had achieved it yeah the way that you had envisioned it it would be exponential growth the way I had it maybe idealized it. Yeah. What, but like more personally, like how would you have felt if you, if it had worked? Secure. Security. <laughs> okay. Security. Uh, I'm also dealing with, uh, you sent me that Kerwin Ray, Kerwin Ray video about money. Money, yeah, yeah. And uh, I wrestle with not wanting money to be important. Yeah. Even though it needs to be. Because of the cultural context in which I'm operating. I'm going to refresh here. So in achieving that, the growing business, the starling team, the vision of improving human health and all these things, you would feel secure. Is it fair to say you're seeking security? Yeah. And that's the primary driver? Really? Maybe. Because the trust, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you're building this team of trust. You're building this like vision. The company's big. The money's there. It's all about like organizing resources. And you're secure. You're safe. Mm-hmm. You're around people you trust. You have options. You have... See, it's about security. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you achieved that security, then what do you want? Like what gets you out of bed then? Sharing it, bringing it to other people, spreading it. So let's say you go Ender's Game, you spread it all over the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then what? I don't know. Mission accomplished? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, but. What in the world? I'm so confused. It's, I'm confused at myself. I'm the, doing this to myself too. I mean, this, yeah, these are the, this is the way that I play all, like, play it all out all the time. And I have to, that's what, that's what brings me to the nihilistic viewpoint. Then what? Well, like at some point we're all going to be dead. Like, so security building this community. Yeah. Do you think you could, uh, take it all over the world and, um, and bring that security to every other person in the world? I don't know. So this is like. That's a genuine question. Like it could be possible. I don't know. It's a, it's a new age, like information resources. People are going to be making before they were just like doing legal documents that were real useful. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, who knows the power, like the disseminant of power of it's like rock stars are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and they fall that much harder. It's a little, it's just an interesting question. Um, you know, what would you do? I mean, could you do it? Um, 
And if the answer to that question is... I feel like this music should be in the podcast. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely definitely add some some soul. (laughs) Maybe I'll add a little some music clips. You can do that. So this is, this is what this guy, this is part of the counseling thing. It's like a portion of the counseling thing that I did. And what it came down to for me was I wanted validation and acknowledgement and acceptance, not security, from, my, from people around me. Hmm. And like th- that, that was the place I landed where you landed in security. Hmm. And he... And, he, and then he asked me, could you ever get validation, acceptance, and acknowledgement from every single person in your life? Uh-huh. And I said, no, probably not. And he said, so let me get this straight. You, A, you've acknowledged that the motivation that's getting you out of up, up every morning is irrational. So we don't need rationality for, for our beliefs. We simply uh, choose what we believe. Um, you've acknowledged that. We simply choose what we believe. You're looking for, and he said, you're looking for a security acknowledgement, but not from everybody. You can't have it from everybody. So who do you want it from? And I said, he said, who do you look up to? And I said, nobody. And he said, so you're looking for somebody perfect to acknowledge, accept, and (laughs) you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Holy crap. <laughs> what is, I was like, Voodoo. whoa. Voodoo magic. Here we are. And and you can imagine the puzzle piece that fits that perfectly. <laughs> and I feel like it works pretty well for most people's problems. Even in my like dealing with overwhelming anxiety. It's like, what can I root my piece in that is that is unwavering enough? And, and it's not even that. It's like, it's like at a certain point you have to say, are you trusting in the universe, which is as inanimate as a river? That's not very comfort, peaceful, comforting. There's bears eating stuff, like stuff's happening. Landslides. Look, speaking of, Nebraska is flooded. Did you see that? I didn't see anything about this. I guess it got eclipsed by the shooting in New Zealand, but apparently Nebraska is like underwater right now. And mm-hmm. it's like nobody cares because it's Nebraska, which is a funny example. But nature is indiscriminate. Right. It does not care. Nope. Well. Uh, it doesn't care. It is indiscriminate. It is, it is peaceful and violent as nature itself. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that... Uh, how can you, I don't know. It's just it's, interesting. It's not, it is indiscriminate. It is indiscriminate. But volcanoes erupt. Yes. We know this. Uh-huh. Why would you build a city next to a volcano? And yet we do. So nature is indiscriminate. There are tornadoes. We know tornadoes typically follow the same path. Why would you put a town in the path of a tornado where a tornado has been so it's like get out of the way we Uh, know certain things damage the ecological system and yet we don't stop another interesting point this comes back to the bugs and how it's not that serious (laughs) you nature will kill humans I believe that nature has an immune system, that the earth is a lot like the body, basically. And you can't destroy nature. It just kills you first. Human beings are not cancerous enough. We're interconnected with it. We rely on it. We're part of it. We rely on it, but it does not rely on us. No. Therefore, we die if we come into conflict with it, not the earth. A lot of things it die. It doesn't save us or protect no. us. Well, uh, it, it does in the sense that it kills us off if we're too... Unruly? Uh, yeah, too ignorant. Dude, all it's I like, know... It's like, oh, these people aren't going to make it. Just The Enneagram? I'm starting to see something different in the Enneagram now. 
like, and I start to see that a lot of the desires that people have when you get personal, it is freaking really simple. Mm -hmm. It's like people want security to deal with their emotions. Every type has a basic need. Or to get rid of their shame. And I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm going through this weird thing right now where I feel like for the, like I have not been able to say an honest prayer. I can't even remember. I can't even remember when the last time was before recently. This is weird. I'm getting all like Islam, like religious. But, but I feel like I'm honest. It's like, I've got to honestly express myself before I can. I can understand your worldview, but it's different. It's not mine. I didn't find it. I didn't experience it. I just adopted it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and for a while, like when I first started this process of like learning to think and be, and be able to flexibly adopt worldviews, it was back in when I was at, I went to Austin P for a semester and I took Philosophy 101. I remember. You were like, I'm gonna prove God oh exists. Oh my gosh, it was, that was that was a turbulent time in my life. <laughs> you were like, I can't, I can't do it, no. But eventually I realized no one was listening to anything I was saying. They were, they were hearing shots fired. Yeah. We gotta dig in and shoot back. Yeah. That was all. And so now at you're some- you're talking about peace. Yeah, at some point I was like, this is all pointless. And I was like, and as, you know, as I've grown more recently, I'm and you know, I've go, gone through something like the journey training. I was like, oh. And I had this idea, but even before the journey training, but the journey training really like allowed me to experience it more. I was like, everybody has their own reality. This is the meaning of like, you know, back when I'm listening to like Ravi Zacharias and everything's black and white and yeah. logical and yep. you can reason all the atheists away and whatever. Yep. I'm not opposed to atheists in that way. Anyways, uh, I was thinking like there is objective reality and we must abide by it. And now right. I'm like, well, yes, but we are these incredibly complex beings that all experience things in different ways and that's valuable. Mm -hmm. And so maybe there is an objective reality and an absolute truth, mm -hmm. but we don't experience it that way. Mm. Maybe that's what we're striving for, but we're never really going to get there. And so we have to be able to accept where we are in order to move towards where we're trying to go. And I have to, I have to be able to accept where I am. I've got to be able to accept where other people are. Otherwise, they're not going to hear the words I'm saying. Because mm -hmm. if it's shots fired, if it's not compassion, if it's shots fired... Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to genuinely understand someone else's position. They don't care what I have to say. They only care what they have to say. Peace. You're talking a lot about peace. Compassion. It's like the battlefield of your, of your thought life. Traditions and religions and philosophies. And there are battles, I mean... That's what I've been reconciling with, with a lot of what Peterson talks about. He says, you know, he points out the philosophers of many centuries ago, like life is suffering, like yeah. evil exists and people become deranged and sick and they, they genuinely intend harm on other people. That stuff exists and happens. And that's something that, uh, oh man, he got into it. What did he was? I think it was the 12 rules. Is that what it is? The 12 rules for living or something? 12 rules for life. 12 rules for life. And he's talking about basically like the the quote of uh, evil, I don't know, evil is victorious when good men do nothing or something. Yeah. And uh, he's like the basic premise of suffering is that we basically we don't stand up against injustice. And that's kind of like the chronic condition of a lot of people. He's like, we know when something should be resisted or, or just like fought against in general, whether it's physical or spoken or uh, passively, but we just don't do it. 
and that's when it's allowed to grow. What was I getting at? Well, I think that I think I have a sense for what you're getting at, but it's interesting. Like, oh, it is a battle. Yeah, there's battle going like on. I, yeah, I had this idealistic worldview that uh, everything is actually working in harmony and blah blah blah, and God is love, all this stuff. But ultimately, that's not totally reconcilable because there are destructive forces in the world that mean harm upon yeah. other things. Yeah. It's almost like it's, there's a certain point at which like a force becomes, it's almost like cancerous. It's not like anti-matter. It's like, yeah, it's destructive to the structures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, that's not to say that that's always a bad thing either. Sometimes things need to be destroyed Yeah. by themselves. Like they need to be allowed to implode Yeah. and they're going to take some people with them. With it, with them, with the structure. When the structure implodes, like communism, like heaven knows how many people died because of that ideology. Man, dude. So can we help those people? What? The dead people? Yeah. Perhaps. The dead people are dead. Is this this another conversation? Yeah, it's getting into some some. My mind is just like ranging right now. <laughs> but at the same time, it's very simple. I think everything is becoming more elegant. Like, um, yeah, this is fascinating. I'm curious to see like as this conversation sharpens. I think this is one of those ten conversation conversations. Well, I mean, the campfire talks are. An ongoing conversation. I feel like we'll be in this space for a while. You, I've realized me and my personality type, you'll determine that. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of go with whatever we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Maddening. Everybody looks to me as like, Uh, oh, Josh Josh knows what's going on. We'll look to him to make decisions. I'm like, I'm waiting for y'all to make a decision and then I can back you up. So I'm trying to figure out that dynamic. You need to figure out what you're going to do when you make global peace and we have universal prosperity. (laughs) You need to figure out what we're going to do next. After that. Uh, I'll leave that to the smart people. That's fun. This is good. This is a good campfire talk.